Yeah. 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 Right. Let me know when you want to put the catch up camera. Yep, absolutely. He literally does Maybe uh, like position it a little bit. Is it not positionable? No, is it? We're, can you check the phone, make sure we're like. Oh, I guess. Okay. Yeah, we'll fix this a little bit. Yeah, one viewer. I know, you watch mad weird. Feel like better? Fixing it up, guys. Come on in. We started doing it and he just got obsessed with it. That's what this is like now. We're getting everything all worked out. Is that what he said? Yeah. Does this look good? Can you see Jackson? Yeah. Okay. You might have to move that back once we get like a bigger picture in. Guys, you hear? Share this with your uh, friends and family on Facebook. We've an action-packed episode, and uh, I think Matt's on his way as we speak. I want to take the lighting class again. It was so fun. I'm taking it. Right, here we go. All right. Who's gonna be the TA for that? I'll be the TA. And Kyle, who teaches it? All right, we're ready when you guys are. We're good. Hey, got it done. Okay, three. Two. Welcome into the JV Podcast. Good to be back, right? Absolutely. We only got a couple more episodes before school lets out. I am Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder, as always. Uh, action-packed episode this week, tonight. Uh, I want to give a huge shout-out shout out to our editing team, Nate Sexauer, Blake Hardesty, Aaron Sleep, and Mateen Ozicek here right behind us as well. Uh, we've got Matt Harrington coming on last for NBA. We've got Shane Dazen and Ethan Graham to talk about hockey in our second segment. Uh, we're live on Facebook. We got the editing team to edit this tonight, tomorrow morning. We've been putting it up as well on our Facebook or our YouTube page. Excuse me. Um, if you guys can share this on Facebook, and if once you see this on YouTube, share that as well. Got to get to our uh, sponsor real quick. Joe Angel with the J and J Mobile Detailing, right off East State, right behind Avalanche Pizza. Get your car washed up. We've shampooed, shampooed, washed, wax, conditioned, everything. Condition. Anything you want to do with that car, you'll get it done. Make it all spick and, and uh, clean for you. The weather's crazy, folks. It's going to snow tonight. Going to be very, very nice this weekend. So, might as well get your car washed this weekend. Yeah. Go on down after the snow. After the snow, get your car washed. Tell them the J J uh, and B podcast sent you. He'll hook you guys up, and, and has, he also has great prices. So let's get and uh, let's get dive, let's dive in here. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about Marsh Madness first. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs played a great game against North, uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, just couldn't come up in the end. No, they couldn't come up in the end. And there's been a lot of complaining about the officiating in that game all the way through with all the fouls called. Um, so I had some dynamic stars for both teams um, fouling out, which had a huge impact on the game. And, of course, that last call on the loose ball that they made a jump ball, and he appeared to be out of bounds. Some controversy there. How I looked at the final of this game is that it's just a better, more tenured 
uh, stronger program, having the confidence to win. I mean, this was Gonzaga's first trip to the Final Four, let alone the championship game. They'll get back there. Um, I thought they were too athletic to lose. Uh, I was wrong about that. North Carolina handled them. But it was a great game, and those six points that they got beat by in the end don't even reflect how intense and close this game was all the way through. Okay, so I got a couple things to mention on this game. I think Gonzaga was the better team, except they don't have the depth. Yeah. The problem with Gonzaga is they're a smaller program than North Carolina. Their bench play isn't as strong. And when they fouled, when Collins fouled out with, uh, with nine points in one of their big men, and then you had Karnowski with four fouls pretty much the entire second half, three and four, that kills your team. You have no yeah. more height after that. Every player on North Carolina that's playing down the three, four, and five positions are humongous. I mean, I mean, you saw uh, later in the second half when Meeks got in foul trouble. They had guys to back him up. He only had seven points. But he had ten rebounds, huge for them. Uh, unfortunately for Gonzaga, the fouls added up. Uh, and then also, uh, shooting-wise, they shot 33% from the field as a whole, the whole game. The second half, they shot under 30%. It was very hard to watch. And they weren't getting the rebounds either. No. The, the, um, especially the offensive boards. North Carolina was killing them in that. Stronger team. Absolutely. I um, want to congratulate Paul Holden, the voice of Power 105 here in Athens, Ohio. He won the tournament challenge for the JNB podcast. Uh, one of three people to have in North Carolina. His bracket in the early rounds, actually in the later rounds, excuse me, with a better bracket as a whole. Uh, he had six of the eight Elite Eight teams, three of the four Final Four teams, and had a champion with North Carolina. So congratulations to him. Impressive, honestly. Very, everything very impressive. Crazy if he had his bracket up on ESPN, he would have uh, been in the top one percentile with how many teams he had going that far. That's pretty good. Good job, team. Yeah, good job, Paul Holden. Uh, this is the craziest part of the year calendar-wise with sports. Definitely. You have college basketball coming to an end. Uh, the Masters we're going to talk about right yep. now. Uh, baseball and then the playoffs start with hockey and basketball. I mean, this is for a sports fan. This three to four week period going from March to April is the greatest time to watch TV. Oh, it's great. And we always, we always talk about baseball and how exciting it is at the beginning and the end. People lose interest in the middle of the season, in the summer, they're doing other things, going to the beach and stuff. But baseball is really exciting right now. So even those mediocre fans are really paying attention. And you know who's capitalizing on all this? Who? CVS. I'll give you, let me give you a rundown real quick of what happened this past week, why CBS is doing so well. Right now, March Madness and every game yeah. is on a CBS network affiliated channel. Yeah. If CBS, TNT, TBS, and True TV. Right after that, before the Masters start, which is also on CBS, who retired? Tony Romo, and he becomes the number oh, yeah. one, yeah. the number one, uh, excuse me, color commentator for a CBS. Uh, he takes over for Phil Sims. And I think this is all played off. I really think I think CBS knew about this beforehand. They want to keep all the attention on them for this a whole like month period from the whole time March Madness starts till it ends, and then the week after with uh, the Masters, right in that the dead time. Wait, right, right, they need some news. They need some news. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Congratulations, to Tony Romo, on getting that job. We'll see how good he does. Uh, yeah, I still think he could have had a, a few more uh, successful years in the NFL, but he makes that decision and. Uh, Go for it. It's what we're doing. His right. body was breaking down. So let's flip over to the Masters down in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, your home state. Yeah, my home state. It's uh, about three hours away, though. But, yeah, surprising. It's um, The weather has had a huge impact early. We've got Charlie Hoffman leading the pack right now, uh, seven under par. and uh, But we've only got 11 people under par right now, which is a little bit low. And most of those people 
Actually, uh, eight of those 11 people are only one under par. Um, so some wind and some storms there, but uh, things will get going. In the weekend, it will get a little bit nicer as it goes on. People will start to get lower scores. Um, but you wanted to talk about Dustin Johnson. Yeah, two people first off. Dustin Johnson won, and then second off, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is not playing. Uh, he was trying to to get in, get in better health. Uh, his back, his whole, I get, it's like a he's, in, he's indefinitely injured, and I think that him, uh, him, us, all of his fans need to just accept that, that he's – not, I think we all are accepting that he's not going to be back anytime soon. So Dustin Johnson, another storyline, probably the biggest storyline for this whole week, uh, somehow bangs up his leg, his knee, on a staircase. I think he either fell going up or down. I'm not quite sure of the whole story. He, I, this is what happened. I saw him telling it earlier on ESPN. He apparently was walking uh, on a slick wood floor with socks on with his two sons, getting something for his two sons. And he went back and hit his elbow right there and his back. And uh, he says his swing is about 70%. It's a little weird story. A little, a little slipping on a hardwood floor, I don't know if that's enough to miss the Masters, but I guess none of us know how he's feeling really right now. So. I don't know if I can believe the whole story. He's, he's a very unique character. He's been in trouble um, in the past with cocaine issues. Oh, um, you, this could be because he wouldn't pass the drug test, you think? No, not because of that. No, I don't think I think he would have passed the drug test. I think he might have been uh, a little intoxicated. Some, some alcohol <laughs> drinks guy. Maybe. I don't know. The, the, whole, the whole story is unique. Interesting character. He gets up to the first tee and can't play. He says he's in too much pain. Um, I don't know. It, it's the Masters. Yeah. It, you have unique storylines the whole week. This is the first one. Many to come. I mean, the weather's probably second one. Um, We'll see what happens. We still have a long way to go. Day one's concluded. We still have the, the cut after tomorrow, and then Saturday and Sunday heat up down in Augusta. Beautiful pool. You ever been there? Uh, no, I've not been there, but I've got friends that get to go just about every year, and they uh, talk about how great it is. So the, the coolest part about that whole experience is the prices are still the same. They're so cheap. When it first started, I think the beers oh, really? are like one or two dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I got to get a picture. Except you have to be invited by or taken by a member to go there. Still elite, you know. Yeah. I'm sure all those people can afford more than a $1 beer. So before we go to commercial break, we have about six or seven minutes before that. We got to talk about the MLB. Definitely. Opening day, opening week started. It's a very special time. If you're a Reds fan, it's a national holiday. You get off school. You go down to the Philly Market Parade. Uh, you walk with everybody from the Philly Market to the stadium. Hopefully get in there and watch the Reds win. Uh, they play in the Phillies this year. Lost opening day, but won the last two games, including today. The bullpen has been an outstanding addition for the Reds. Uh, I'm excited. I'm a Reds fan. You're an Indians fan. You guys should be excited yeah. as well. You guys lost the World Series last year, but you guys at least three and zero, looking good. Yes, a stronger team with more confidence this year. I love the way they're playing. Francisco Lindor with that grand slam is just perfect. They they know what it takes to win, and watching them this year is so exciting. And I'm looking forward to it. Good well-rounded team hitting wise fielding wise and our rotation looks good too go check out our facebook uh on twitter our website and instagram all that's good stuff website is seat at the t.com all of our social medias are at seat at the t um good stuff we got writers from down in alabama oh yeah jordan Lindsay. we got chris constable who is actually not here um Unfortunately, because he actually got his teaching license, he's now allowed to be a teacher in the state of Ohio. That's why he oh, did not wow, come. So awesome. Congratulations to Chris Constable. Um, moving forward, though, we're going to have articles all summer long, so go check out our website, seatatthetea.com. Uh, we'll have content the whole, the whole time. The whole time, definitely. The whole, the whole summer. Um, 
I want to talk about your innings, though. Last night, you're, you're taking care of the Texas Rangers bullpen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's the lack of skill on the Rangers bullpen or if it's just if this just speaks to how good the Indians are offensively. I mean, the Rangers aren't the best team in the MLB. No one's giving them that, but they're but, about middle of the pack. The way Francisco Lindor is hitting the ball and Carlos Santana working out a working out a um, a extension on that deal right right now, right as we speak, they're working out an extension on that deal because he is a huge asset. Hit 34 home runs, career high last year. Um, I just love the way the Indians are playing. Just like I said, it's it's the way they play. Their style of play is great for fans who love the offensive side of the game. Um, my other team is the Mets. They're completely the opposite. But I love watching this Indian team play. Absolutely. Now, the, I don't know if you saw. Did you watch the game last night, the Indians? I did not. Watch okay. So, watch the first two. So <laughs> it was a unique, unique finish to the game. The Indians were down two runs uh, with in the, la- the top of the ninth inning. Ended up scoring five runs, including a grand slam by Francisco Lindor. They showed a fan. After the grand slam was hit, the Indians went up about three oh, runs, yeah, and the yeah. fan was crying. I saw, I saw highlights of that. <laughs> Folks, if you're that invested in your baseball team and it's game three, remember it's a 162-game series. I mean, it's a long uh, season. It's, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, congrats, Indians, though, playing excellent baseball, very early still. Uh, Got to stay off the injury bug, and you move forward from there. Um, anything else about baseball? That's all I got. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. You guys here watching us on Facebook Live, this is just for the editing team. We come back, we're going to have uh, NHL, and it's time for almost playoff hockey. So we're going to bring in now Shane Davidson and Ethan Graham here. They're going to get set up, and our camera guys are fixing up the battery. Yeah, it, it died. Great. It, it was full when we started. Great. I like, wrote down when it died. So Hi, everybody. How are you? Let me edit, make sure Sorry, Ty, you're not getting your money back. Your bracket was terrible. And Mateen says hi, Bob. Oh, Mateen. Mateen could have said that. Hey, Mateen, yeah, Mateen, you could have said that right now. We got hurt you. <laughs> We're getting set up. Are we? Uh, let me know when you guys are ready. I'm ready right now. I know you're born ready. Born ready. You need sex hour. Need sexy, eh? Matt, good to see you, sir. Uh, we can start whenever. All right, cool. Let's get this going. Then let me, uh, let me get to my yeah. NHL. Oh, one second. Three, two. Welcome back to the JMV Podcast. My name is Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. Next to me over here on my right side, Ethan Graham and Shane Dazen over here next to Jackson on his left side. Want to give a huge shout out to J&J Mobile Detailing, our proud sponsor. Get your car washed. <laughs> I'm telling you guys that right now. Right mine behind. Is, I'm taking mine down tomorrow. Man. Behind Avalanche Pizza on East State Street. Tell them the J and B podcast crew sent you guys. Everything will be nice. I guarantee the car will smell unbelievable. My car still smells great. Just tremendous. They just do tremendous work. Tremendous work. Thank you, Joe and Big John down there at the shop. Um, so let's go here and talk about hockey. But the best time of the year. Hockey players are about to start. Every team is pretty much locked in. It's just about seeding right now. Um, 
But before we talk about the playoffs, looking ahead to next year, a huge story developing in the NHL. The, I guess the NHL as a whole does not want to send their players and take a break for the Olympics. As the Winter Olympics is approaching next winter, they're not going to allow the, play, the players to take a break. What, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Well, the first thing I, I thought of with this is, you know, it makes me a lot less interested in the Olympics because, of course, you know, you want to see the best players out there for their country. You want to see the best, you know, player going up against the best. And the other, the other um, dominant thought I had this week, Bobby, as a story broke, was, um, you know, some thoughts about Alexander Ovechkin's comments saying, you know, he will go regardless. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of compare that to, you know, if the NBA, you know, had the same problem with the Olympics, you know, if a huge star like Steph Curry came out and said, I'm going, you know, that's probably going to have a trickle-down effect for the rest of the league. So as right now it stands, yes, they're, they're not going to be there. But, you know, if Ovechkin's serious about being there and going, you know, I think that could, you know, potentially shift some of the players there. Shane, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, the NHL considered this to be a closed matter when they reported it the other day, but uh, it remains anything but closed, I think. As we talked about, uh, players like Ovechkin, guys like TJ Oshie also speaking out. He uh, had an incredible Olympic there in Sochi back in 2014, so uh, he, made, he would be he a good voice. He a household name for that. He would be a good voice on that matter, yeah, for sure. And uh, these, t- these types of players are speaking out against, uh, you know, non-participation in the Olympics, and I think uh, that we're going to see that trend continue here as we move forward uh, into the playoffs and into the early stages of the offseason. A little bit of an issue, obviously, would be scheduling. If the NHL sets his schedule and uh, these players decide to go regardless, they're going to be missing, uh, you know, two or three weeks of games for their respective teams, so that's going to be an issue to look forward to as uh, we move on in the matter, but honestly, I'm kind of in in for it a little bit here. I think that, uh, you know, Harkening back to that 1980s miracle-esque style of hockey is, uh, you know, something that maybe not be great for the game in terms of exposure. Obviously, you want to see the best players on the ice, but uh, it's going to make for a heck of a hockey tournament here if we've got amateurs going up against professionals in Russia or professionals in Sweden. It's going to bring back those memories of, uh, you know, that that championship team back in 1980, and uh, maybe uh, we catch lightning in a bottle, the U.S. does, and... uh, ends up running it and uh, winning the tournament. That would be a really cool storyline. I certainly hope it would, but, you know, they did call that a miracle for a reason. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really see college kids going up against KHL teams. Uh, if it happened once, it can happen again. I, I suppose so. Yourself. But it's another thing you mentioned. You talk about exposure a little bit um, with the NHL and the Olympics. I think it would be terrible if the NHL players didn't go. You know, this is the one time every four years, you know, I hate to compare hockey to soccer, but it's kind of the same way, you know, with the World Cup where everyone has eyes on hockey, yeah. you know, no matter what for yeah. these two weeks. You know, Jackson, you're more of a casual <laughs> hockey fan, I'm sure. Yeah. You have eyes in the Olympics, you know, for these two, three weeks, you know. So the top players in the world aren't there. I think that'd be, you know, tremendously disappointing to this large casual hockey audience we have in the States. I will say this right now. If, if Alexander Ovechkin says he's playing for his uh, national team in Russia or if Crosby said he's playing for Canada – hundred percent more than more than enough of the NHL players will go and represent their nation just because it means so much if they're saying that other great players are gonna say the domino it's, effect it's a, absolutely yeah, domino, yeah. Domino yeah, Gino, Gino Malkin of Danny Malkin of the Pittsburgh Penguins just came out today and said that he was uh, waiting to receive clearance from team owner Marilyn Mew and Ron Burkle uh, about playing in Russia or, uh, excuse me for Russia next year in the Olympics so uh, we're gonna see that trend continue here especially for those Russian guys I think have it in their blood to go play for their home country. They love it. <laughs> they also love vodka. So, <laughs> moving forward to change uh, a little bit, I guess now uh, instead of looking ahead into the winter coming up, let's talk about the the Penguins and the Jackets. Uh, if you want to re- read a little bit or discuss a little bit of the Penguins uh, injury bug 
or what, what they're looking forward to. They're going to play the Jackets. That's a, that's a done deal. Mm-hmm. And then after this, we'll go into the Jackets uh, news and information on that. Yeah, the Penguins have been absolutely decimated by injuries here as we reach the playoffs. Uh, we're starting to see some guys kind of trickle back into the lineup. Trevor Daly, who was out for a few weeks there with a lower body injury, uh, playing his first game back for the Penguins here tonight against New Jersey. So that's some positive, no, uh, some positive news for the Penguins, especially on that defensive end where uh, we just got some news yesterday of uh, star defenseman Chris Letang being out for four to six months with surgery for a herniated disc in his neck. So uh, you're not going to have that body in the lineup for the playoffs. Nice to see the Penguins get a guy like Trevor Daly back and try to get some of that production uh, back into the fold for the team. But what they have done with this AHL lineup that they have brought up has been absolutely tremendous. Looking at the talent uh, that they have in the farm system, these are two organizations, both our AHL and NHL affiliates, that have the longest uh, active playoff streaks in both their respective leagues. So it speaks to uh, you know the talent from within the organization and the longevity of their success with guys like Crosby and Malkin. And you look at those complementary pieces like Connor Sheary, like Brian Russ, Jake Gensel, coming in there and uh, you know chipping right in just. Uh, fitting seamlessly into Mike Sullivan's system that he has implemented in Pittsburgh. And uh, you really got to like that continuity throughout both the AHL and the NHL organization. But uh, as we reach the playoffs, we're going to get some guys back, which is going to be good news. Carl Haglin looks to be uh, on the mend here. He's about to get off the the IR, so that's going to be another body to have in the lineup that's going to be valuable for the Penguins. And uh, guys like Mark Strait, who are dinged up, um, some other guys in the lineup, who play lesser roles for the Penguins coming back and filling some of that depth is going to be absolutely crucial for them as they reach the playoffs. And you know, with um, with Pittsburgh, you mentioned you know there's a lot of injuries. We've seen it year after year, and especially last year. It's going to be you know how far can Crosby you know drag these other forwards that you know outside of you know Kessel, Haglin, and Malkin you know aren't the biggest names you know aren't the most skilled players. How far can he drag them? Last year it was the Cup. You know, I'd be pretty surprised if they got back there again. You know, caught lightning in a bottle twice, but it's, <laughs> no, it's all a miracle it, for a reason. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not stipulating that the Penguins are going to go out there and run the show. No, no, no. I never said it's going to be very hard for this a team play. to repeat <laughs> as Stanley Cup champions. That you know, if, if you get it once, you're lucky enough uh, to do it twice. Is but I think that's know, the major story. Stuff line, that you know. dreams are made of here, and we're certainly dreaming in Pittsburgh. So. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have gotten it done last year, so I think us in Columbus uh, are ready and willing to root on this team all the way till June. Uh, what's going on in Columbus, though? Yeah, right now they're uh, they can't really score goals. I know they have three tonight, <laughs> but they're down they're down one right now. This is the most goals they've scored in quite a while. This yeah. is a team that you know was so potent on the power play with that man advantage. It's almost seemed automatic, you know, at least for them to score once or twice a game during that massive winning streak. This is a team that is 0 and 15. Uh, their last power play goal coming March the 13th against the Flyers. Simply, they can't score. Guys like Wierenski, you know, are losing their scoring punch. Atkinson losing their scoring punch. Dubinsky, who was heating up, you know, over this past past month, is losing their scoring punch. You know, so they got to get those guys back rolling again. I know Sodder has two goals tonight. You love to see, uh, you love to see that if you're a Blue Jackets fan. But it's also starting, you know, the injury bug. You know, Wierenski is a huge player. He's been huge for the Blue Jackets on the blue line this season. You know, an absolute stud at 19 years old. We saw him out last night against the Penguins, or two nights ago, rather, against the Penguins. That was a major hole on the blue line for them. So, if, you know, if they can get scoring goals again, obviously, they're going to have a tremendous chance to win some hockey games, as always. Now, I realize the injury bugs hit the Jackets right now. Uh, we, looking back two, game, two days ago when they played the Penguins, the Penguins have a long list of injury bugs. Um, but other than Latang, everyone else would be on a playoff roster. They're, they're, they're sitting out, resting right now, just like the Jackets. But once it comes time, this uh, next Tuesday, when the, when the playoffs start, all these guys will be back on the roster, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with hockey. Like After the season ends, they always talk about 
all those players that were hurt and were playing through these huge injuries. Like a couple years ago, the guy was playing through a whole broken foot. I mean, yeah. that's, that's Greg um, Campbell. Yeah, Campbell, yeah, yeah. exactly. Campbell. Patrice Bergeron out there with a punctured lung yeah, uh, for the Bruins. Peverly had a cardiac arrest on the ice and tried to get back yeah. into the game. The next line. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 incredible stuff with the hockey. These guys are such. I mean, they 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 play such a manly role in this game. I mean, I hate putting it like sexism and stuff like this, but when they get out there, they want to play for, for their team. Absolutely. And they want to win the cup. They want their they name on It's that. not for the weak apart, you know? It's not like soccer where guys are out there taking dives, you know, acting like they got shot. You know, you, look, you puncture a <laughs> you better Nazem get back Kadri. out there for Unless the next Unless your name's Nazem Kadri, in which case, you do lose that. So yeah. real man sport. You got the choir in the back over there. It's true. It's true that... Uh, you know, hockey players are both mentally and physically tough. They're willing to put their bodies out on the team. You can't uh, stress it enough when you see these guys blocking 100 mile an hour slap shots, you know, off the chest, off the knee, off the ankle, uh, that these guys are really dedicated to their cause and uh, to helping their teams reach the ultimate pinnacle. So next week, we're going to have a special episode of just the playoff matchups. Yep. Um, we'll have a whole bracket. We'll fill it out like we did with the March Madness. Um, what are the other possible series right now that you're looking at that you're very excited for? I like anything with the Bruins in it, honestly, right now. Like, okay. It depends on where they uh, finish in terms of positioning there with the last three games still yet to be played for Boston. But this is a team on a six-game winning streak that is really finding its groove as we enter the playoffs. Just clinched uh, the other night. Yep. Got guys like Bergeron that we mentioned earlier, Brad Marchand, who has come onto the scene the last two years and has really exploded into a goal <laughs> scorer in the NHL. Uh, you know, to put uh, to top that off, guys like Pasternak, guys like Krejci, their depth is uh, you know unmatchable, at least on the forward end. On the defensive end, I, I think the Bruins have a little bit of a challenge uh, trying to work in some of those slower, uh, you know, bigger body defensemen like uh, Zdeno Ochara and uh, some of their other pieces there, uh, working that up to speed. If you're going to be playing teams like the Blue Jackets, you're going to be playing teams like the Capitals or the Penguins. You're going to have to be able to keep up with them, and I don't I don't see Boston really uh you know with that elite stellar defense but they do have a great forward unit and some really good goaltending in net with Tuka Rask and I think that uh you know if they get uh, into a series they could definitely make things challenging for whoever they're playing. A series that stands out to me um is out west. The Oilers are back Oilers. in the playoffs. Connie Mack and the Oilers are back in the playoffs uh going up against the defending reigning defending Westing uh, conference champions the Sharks. Sharks, you know, seem like they have this uh, playout run thing figured out finally after all these years. Thornton, Pavelski, Marlowe, uh, Martin Don't Jones. Don't make a tour out right now, though, last I checked. Yeah, but I mean, they, they still made it there. So, I mean, I like them, you know, to be a team that could possibly make it back. The Oilers, you know, how will they respond in the playoffs? We don't know. They haven't been in the playoffs for all these years. McDavid's there. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl is starting to score goals at a huge clip. So that's a series that stands out um, to me. You know, two teams with very contrasting styles. The Oilers are kind of running gun if you will, kind of play a really, um, you know, wide open series type of hockey. And, you know, the Sharks are there. They're checking. They're getting pucks deep. They have, you know, guys like Brett Burns, other guys there on that back defensive line, you know, who are um, outstanding. Yeah, no, a couple teams note for moving forward. Montreal, uh, they got the number one seed locked up in the Atlantic Division. They'll probably be going against the, I guess it's going to be locked up against the Rangers. Mm -hmm. That series, I think, can be a bloodbath. Yeah, I think the New York Rangers are a little bit underestimated here as we enter the playoffs. They're the fourth team in that Metro division, get overlooked by those top three teams in uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus, but this is still a team to be reckoned with. They've got two solid goaltenders in uh, Lundquist and Antti Ranta, so you're looking at guys 
uh, that have had playoff experience in the past and who you can plug in and rely on in net. And that's always where it starts with these hockey teams. You got to have that good goaltending if you want to continue to move forward in these playoffs. And uh, with the forward unit that they have, uh, I think it leaves a little bit to be desired. But uh, you know, situationally, they can be effective. And same goes for their defense. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Montreal, interestingly, uh, as we know, traded PK Subban last year. Get. Uh, Shea Weber to come in there and man that group for them and see it's gonna be interesting to see where uh, You know he leads this team and how far they get into the playoffs another uh, Interesting story note for Montreal is obviously the acquisition of Claude Julien uh, as their head coach And uh, he has had the boys on a run since uh, he has stepped in as uh, you know the lead skipper of Montreal and uh, You know he's got that playoff experience too So you know you got a proven coach you know you got a proven goaltender in Carey Price and you've got some big-name guys in uh, you know, Shea Weber, Max Pacioretty, those guys could definitely create some problems. Before we go to a quick commercial break, let's go over quick uh, individual awards. Best goaltender. Bobrovsky, it's not even close. This I'm, guy, giving, I'm willing to give it to him as well. You know, I think the same I think the same uh, can be said for Holtby, but yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, Bobrovsky playing out of his mind. 202 goals against average as first in the NHL. 933 save percentage, first in the NHL. Second in wins. Uh, with 41, I mean, this could go beyond Vezina. This could go beyond Vezina. There's yeah. a legitimate argument that this man, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, is the MVP at this league. You look at what if Columbus didn't have an elite mm -hmm. goalie. You know, are we looking at the playoffs? I don't know. You know, it's, gonna be tough. it's potentially. <laughs> but Sergei Bobrovsky has gone out there and, matter of fact, stole them games. Aaron Portsline talked at the beginning of this year, Blue Jackets writer, um, for the dispatch, their main beat writer, that if the Blue Jackets are going to be a playoff team, Sergei Bobrovsky is going to have to be the first star 30 or 40 times. I would venture to say he's done that and more. 100. percent Give me one name. Don't have to explain why. MVP. Connie May. McDavid. Yeah. McDavid. Yeah. I mean, you look at what. I know you said no, not to explain why, but I'm gonna go in really quickly because I know you were expecting me to say Sid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. McDavid. Uh, Eleven years since the Edmonton Oilers have been in the playoffs. Obviously, breaking the Schneid uh, would not be possible without a guy like Connor McDavid. What he has done for this league uh, in, in rejuvenating kind of that young audience that uh, was starting to slip a little bit. Uh, with the likes of guys like Crosby and Ovechkin getting older, uh, he's really brought them back into the fold. He's kind of uh, you know rejuvenated interest in the game uh, from areas where we're not accustomed to seeing it. You look at ESPN every night, you're seeing highlights of hockey on there. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? That you know, two years ago, you know, you'd be lucky if you'd be able to catch like the B game, you know, after LeBron James ran about uh, cotton candy. So <laughs> you know, yeah, it, 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 it speaks to like where hockey's going, and I think that McDavid's going to be the guy that ultimately leads them there. Next week, we have a whole NHL episode moving forward. I want to thank Shane and Ethan for joining us here at the I want to table. thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Nice I appreciate it. I, I, I love, first off, love the sweater and love, love the food man shoe going oh, out. <laughs> going out the playoff mustache as we speak. Talking about LeBron James, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Matt Harrington on talking about everything NBA here at the table, JMB Podcast. Here at the table. That was smooth. I like You're that. Table. Nice job, All right, Matt, come on in, baby. Angle this a little bit differently. Matt, you want to sit next to Jackson? Picks in the draft, the sweeping picks and the overrated picks. Uh, we're going to talk about the Cavs blowing out the Celtics yesterday. And what that means. Um, MVP debate. debate. Okay. 
and we have 15 minutes to talk about this. Yeah, that's true. And Nick's owner, Jim, don't want to get to his back with the family. I know. That would be great. I love that. Awesome. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready when you guys are. Ready when you are. Which camera are we Well, that's the live one. Yeah. We'll look at that one. That's fine. Go ahead. Ready? Yep. Keep it down, down there. In five, four, three, two. Welcome back to the JMB Podcast. I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me is my man, Jackson Schroeder, and Matt Harrington alongside us as well, talking about all things NBA. Uh, the NBA is getting down to the wire just like the NHL. Sure. Playoffs are just around the corner. Um, next week. Next, same time as hockey, man. I love it. Next it week. goes from time of the year. April to June. We went from college to March Madness. Yep. The NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs. It's, it's a beautiful time. And what we have a time? the Masters too. And the Masters. Uh, and opening day. <laughs> and opening day. Don't take opening day. NBA is what draws TV ratings. Yeah, so right. No one, who's watching the NBA right now? <laughs> the Masters. Of Everybody. No one's watching the Masters. Who's watching the Masters? Everyone. Everyone watches the Masters. All right. All right. So let's talk about the probably the biggest topic in all basketball, whether it's college, pro, even high school. The Ball family. Lonzo Ball comes I'm out. Tired of it I love too. it. I love he's great for TV. <laughs> I love it. He comes out and says I guess. he'd rather be a Laker than the number one draft pick. You know what? I think that's a case of him growing up as a millennial and seeing the Kobe era and the Shaq and all that. Yeah. But mainly it's just Kobe. And he grew up in Southern California. Yep. His dad's from Compton. And there's a big influence with that. So why not be, you know, if you're a high caliber, high talent. Guy, why not be a Laker fan and want to play with the Lakers, who the team that you grew up watching and loving and inspiring to be playing for? You know, so that's yeah. my take on it. Um, when I see Lonzo Ball, um, I do think he's the number one draft pick. Okay. Um, when I see him, I, I, he just oozes Jason Kidd to me. If you go back to his, yeah. his highlights, Jason Kidd was super athletic, like Lonzo Ball. Oh, yeah. He was dunking the ball on fast breaks. Yeah. He's making passes no, nobody else sees, and he's getting rebounds, triple doubles, like it's nothing. He just oozes Jason Kidd to me. Yeah, Lonzo Ball, another another big headline that just came out. He's ditching his dad as his agent as of now. He just That's hired hard. he just t- hired a new agent, which is great. That's uh, good. That's very get, good. Yeah, player. I mean he's a good basketball player. His dad seems to be running TV ratings right now, and there's a debate on whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, but it's a thing nonetheless. And uh, Lonzo Ball is going to be getting his mind back on track, back to basketball. I like that he wants to play for the Lakers. He's a he's an LA kid, and he isn't afraid to say that he would rather take a little pay cut, which he can uh, make up for in some sponsorships or yep. so. And the title as the number one pick to play for his hometown team, a team that is now possibly not even uh, in the he is a, they have a fifty percent chance of getting a first uh, one of the first three picks, picks yeah. now, yeah, definitely. which is crazy to think of where they were a month ago. That was almost locked in. And back to your point with being losing money from from being the number one draft pick, dropping down, down a little picks. Jordan wasn't even the number one draft pick. Yeah. He was the number three pick in the draft. Yeah. And look at him. He's a bill. He owns a team. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to compare. He's the richest athlete in the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Those are pretty lofty yeah. comparisons, to say yeah. the least. But, like, but I understand your comparison there with that. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little take on this. The problem with I, that I have with the Ball family is it's not, it's not you're just getting the son to play. You get the whole package. You get his father talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if you want that whole spotlight. I know it's L.A. and you get the spotlight regardless with L.A. Mm-hmm. But if, if some other team drafts him, say, a Brooklyn, mm-hmm. I mean, they're horrible. Well, they don't have that pick. 
Not yet. You never know, though. They might. They yeah. might. They, I mean, they're going to be in the lottery for the worst team in, in, in the NBA. I are you talking about for, for Lonzo, or are you talking about for the family lineage? No, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about if they get the number one pick and they take him number one overall. They, the, Boston's had... Um, Brooklyn's pick, pick excuse yeah, exactly. me. So that'd be huge exactly. for them. But do you, I mean, if, if some other team drafts him, do you think he's going to hold out and not want to play for them? No. He, He'll play. He wants to play for the Lakers, definitely. He just doesn't want to go to Minnesota. His dad doesn't want to. <laughs> Nothing's in I Minnesota. Mean, no, yeah. Well, Minnesota's looking like a pretty good team. They got Zach Levine. They got young guys. You know, yeah. I, if I was a high caliber player, high lottery projected player, I would, Minnesota doesn't seem like a bad place to me. Um, but that's just my own perspective. Yeah. But. Um, as far as you know, the the family lineage and the team picking Lonzo Ball and whether Lonzo Ball was to play for them, I think he just wants to play for any team. But definitely the Lakers is okay. the preferred choice. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Um, moving forward to the draft as a whole, yeah. who are the best picks in your eyes that teams need to look out for? Again, um, Lonzo Ball okay. is my number one choice. Again, he just oozes Jason Kidd to me. He's six yeah. five, six six get triple doubles like Jason Kidd did and just live up to that legacy. Uh, number two is Dennis Smith. Nobody's really talking about him a lot. He's 6'3". He's uber athletic. And if you didn't pay attention to him in college, he also was getting triple doubles. He got maybe two triple doubles, which is a lot in uh, college college uh, requirements. Uh, he's 6'3". He can pass the ball as well. He can shoot the ball too as well, which is a big thing. He's not one of those point guards that you can back off of and just make him drive the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can lead a team. He can do whatever he, whatever you need to do. Play defense as well. He's he's the Russell Westbrook type athletic that that you look for in the point guard nowadays. If you're looking at point guards nowadays, I think you want Russell uh, the Russell Westbrook athletic mode that um, that he's displaying. And Dennis Smith definitely displays that. Um, and my number three uh, best pick of the draft is Jason Tatum. Going through uh, his freshman year, the beginning of it, he looked a little like a freshman <laughs> to say the least. But as he went along, he showed, you know, plays where he was just, like, picking apart the defense. Those ISO plays, he looked like a professional player. And I'm just like, wow, where did this come from? But obviously, <laughs> he's 6'9", he has a great wingspan, and he can shoot the ball. He's been de- developing that mid-range jumper, and it's kind of reminiscent of Carmelo. I'm not saying he's <laughs> going to be a Carmelo-type player, but get him in the ISO situation. He could do that step back, pay, post Fade away like Carmelo, and it's it's a real good sight to see. Definitely, yeah. Uh, he he covered the first couple of picks, but just one that I think that people should look out for to have a successful NBA career and be uh, is is Justin Jackson. I think that he's going to be a late round draft pick, but still in the first round, so he could go to a team like the Spurs or maybe the Rockets, a already established team, and just add as a good addition uh, to those teams and be dangerous. I think he's he's got the athleticism. He can shoot the ball really well. He's really developed that jump he's shot. He's really developed the jump shot. And uh, if he puts on a little weight, which he will playing in the NBA, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, definitely. But as we've seen with KD, you don't really need weight no. to you don't be yeah. skinny. But he will. LeBron yeah. was like 180 pounds or something. He was literally <laughs> bulked up big time. One player, one player I have in mind mm-hmm. uh, that – I don't want to compare him to Steph Curry because obviously Steph Curry's on, a, on an island of his own. What are you talking about? You're going to love this one. Who went on a run as a seven seed and, and played play their heart out and got him there pretty much as the best player on South Carolina? Cinderius Thorwood. Oh, yeah. The guy can absolutely shoot anywhere. The guy's a ball. He's a really, first off, if you play for Frank Martin, that's 
you should be on a category of yourself. If you can get through his craziness and his, I mean, as a, as a coach, and get yelled at every day for pretty much doing your job, mm -hmm. whether it's the right way or the wrong way, he will rip you apart. Mm -hmm. And he got them to the final four for the first time in, in program history. history. Program history. So that in itself is a great thing to accomplish. Um, he was the all star. He's an unbelievable player. I like I like Darmo. It's a great name, first off. I think <laughs> I think it was just the, the aligning of the stars. You know. I don't, they beat Duke. Throw, uh, they beat the Duke. best team in the ACC. Duke, they, they were spotty all year. They were, they mm. got hot during toward yeah, the end of the yeah. year. Definitely. Same thing. But as they were spotty. They were spotty. I just think it's a get him in the right stars. system and watch him watch him shine. Well, that's a very slim chance. So we'll see what Sundarius. He's a projected second round pick. If, if yes, that. yes, one hundred percent. But the thing is, it, it's the same thing with Steph. It's he didn't come. Or he's, I don't know about Steph, but he's <laughs> a senior though. Like the thing is, he, he's played basketball for a while. He doesn't need uh, more time to. Grow up. He's Are you already, saying he's mature? He's mature, hundred percent mature. mature. So watch out. That's 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 my sleeper pick. That's your sleeper that's pick. My sleeper. He's not going to be a first or early first round pick. Mm -hmm. He'll definitely be a second round pick in my opinion. Got but it. if he gets with the right team, watch out. To another soap opera drama, the yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers. Woo. Okay. Okay. Uh, week and a half ago, LeBron's yelling at, his, at uh, Tristan Thompson, "Do this, do that." Uh, a week later, now they have the one seed, mm -hmm. and they just beat the Boston Celtics. In Boston. In Boston. In statement. Boston. Huge statement win. They have a one-game lead. Uh, they're getting out of the wire. What's going on with Cleveland? Cleveland is doing what Cleveland's supposed to do. <laughs> they have the best player on the team. That whole drama with Tristan Thompson and LeBron, I think that's just been, uh, you know, boiling up. <laughs> yeah. Especially with LeBron. He's been speaking out on his teams uh, and saying they need to perform better. Maybe he needs to perform better. Maybe his team is doing what they need to do. Yeah. He needs to perform better. <laughs> And I think that's just the you know result of Tristan saying, "Hey, you've had enough of speaking up. You, we know you're the best player in the world. Yes, but you need to be humble." <laughs> and that was a point yes. in, the, in the game where Tristan was like, "All right, this is enough. Like yeah. you made a mistake. I'm gonna call you out on it." Because nobody ever calls out LeBron. Whoever no. calls out LeBron, that's why David Black got fired. Hundred <laughs> percent. Here's my take on the Cavs. I I love that win last night. They've been slipping off. Um, Slipping off, lost the first spot in the regular season. That win last night meant so much more to the Celtics than it did to the Cavaliers. Obviously, you have the Cavs trying to make a statement and LeBron um, and, and LeBron saying that we can win and we are the best in the East. But he said beforehand that he didn't care that much about it. If he did or not, that's up for debate. Um, but this game would have would have gone on the track to solidify that number one spot and home court advantage through the entire playoffs for the Boston Celtics. For the Celtics to to get the first seed in the East with this Cavaliers team, this full, deep Cavaliers team, that's a huge thing for the Celtics. And I don't know if they think that they could realistically win the, win the championship this year, but winning that first seed would have been their type of championship. Right now, they're down 55 to 71 to the Hawks, so we'll see how that game goes. The Hawks have a big decision uh, or a huge deciding factor on how this uh, Eastern Conference turns out. They play the Celtics twice and the Cavs once. They play the Cavs twice. Cavs twice yep. and then the Celtics in this game. Excuse me. And it's yeah. a huge game for Atlanta as a whole. They're the, they're the five seed right now. Uh, they lose a couple of these games. They're only a game and a half in the playoffs. That whole bottom half of the East is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, Atlanta's 39 and 38. And then the Heat, your Heat. Heat are the, the nine seed looking out are 38 and 40. They're right there. They lose They're two right games, there. you can easily get get and steal that eight seed. 
If the Heat win out and make the playoffs, I'm not going to be too ecstatic about it. <laughs> I've never Honestly. seen a guy make a playoffs and not be happy about Honestly, it. Honestly, because I wanted them to get a top three pick and get Dennis Smith. That's my guy. Like I, I've already explained that in a few The, pro- the problem I have with the, the Eastern Conference is right now you have four teams that have a lock in the playoffs right now. You have the Cavs at 51-27. and 27, The Boston Celtics, the number two seed, with 50-28. and 28, Toronto's 48-31. And the Washington Wizards... 47 and 31. Dangerous. Those They're rec- all dangerous. Things. Those records are fine. They're going to, they should all 4 and 1 or 4 0 yeah. sweep the first round with teams that are barely at 500 or they'll be below 500. I don't know. The, the bottom has pretty comp- competitive as well because you have the Pacers and then, of course, yeah, the like Bruisers, sure, but they're not, they're not going to compete. Why not? They have Paul George, who's top 10 in the league. <laughs> Definitely. If you have him on the team, you have all your other parts Lance. working. Lance, Lance Stevens. How could we forget him? If you seen the his theatrics the way he pulled off the other day, I applaud. Why, why are you so mad? He making fun of Who cares? <laughs> I applaud Lance for doing that. That's something the fans will love. That's what, not the Raptors. Definitely not the Raptors, but fans of basketball will love that. Especially paper, the Pacers fans. <laughs> okay, we got a question on Twitter earlier today coming in from Billy Mensel. Let's answer. He asked you. Do you still believe that any team is the threat to the Cavaliers coming out of the Eastern Conference after last night? No. Nope. No, I don't. It's just a matter of time. We we have to wait till May. Um, honestly, I think the Cavs may get a little, you know, trouble, and there's going to be headlines, or is this Cavs doing yeah. or whatever. But honestly, I, the Cavs, are, they're just too deep, you know. They have so many lot of rotations they can go with, so many strengths. But – Another one of the weaknesses that I think they have is that they are too deep, <laughs> and that some of the best players for that for their lineup may be down in the bench, and they can't utilize that. You know, the whole eleven guys that they have on their team that are really good and they, that can really make an like impact. Like Darren Williams getting Williams, like yeah. ten minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or Derek Williams, who really plays well with LeBron because he's a cutter, he's a slasher, and yeah. he can dunk on him. So the the Cavs are the best team in the East right now, and they proved that last night. Um, I don't think they will have any trouble until they get to the finals, and I think the East Conference or the, the NBA finals. The NBA finals. Okay. Uh, they might have a one or two game slip up. Analysts will be complaining about it, like you said, but they're going to make it. LeBron's going to get to his seventh straight NBA finals, and there is where they might have some trouble. I mean, you look at this Golden State team, and. Um, and they are they're getting Kevin Durant back and they've been winning without him. They didn't slip up at all. Exactly. I mean they're flying under exactly. the radar. They're scary. They're scarier than last year. We all look at this Cavs team and look at how they won the championship, came back from a three one uh deficit. They came back from a three one deficit. Had the Warriors got one of those games, they would have they would have lost the Championship. The whole topic would have been, can they three-peat out west? Yeah, exactly. It's it's closer than people think, and I think this Warriors team is very dangerous, especially with Kevin Durant back. I right. feel like this is a – can I say this real quick? Real quick. I feel yeah. like this is a situation where if, if very synonymous to Goku. If, you want, if you're a big Dragon Ball Z fan like I am, <laughs> I'm going I'm to bring that out. Goku, we all know he's the best fighter in the whole universe and all of the universes. But for some reason, there's always this one fighter that keeps coming back, and he keeps coming back stronger. But Goku, for some reason, keeps beating him. And I just feel like this is very you know, synonymous to the Cavs and LeBron and what's going to happen in the finals. Right late, here first. Late baby. night stuff at the table at the JV <laughs> podcast. You never know what's going to come out of Matt. <laughs> Matt's some help with uh, Dragon Ball Z. Before we end the show, we're going to go from – your side to my side on who's the MVP. You have either Russell Westbrook, 
James Harden or both? I'm going to go with – I'm going to just pose this. Um, I'm going to go with Russ. I'm going to go with Russ. What he's doing this year is uh, pretty historic. We've never seen this. I've never seen this. Um, Triple-double for his whole year. That's, missed it by one rebound last night. Wow. Oh, yeah, he said he missed back. the record. record yeah, yeah, he missed yeah. the record. Does, do they have any more games left? Yeah, they still have yeah. two or three. He's going to he's going to break that record, um, and they're going to go in the playoffs, and they're going to be pretty interject. But I have Russ as my MVP guy. Yeah, I I just I don't like the way Russ plays. I he um, Colin Cowherd speaks on this all the time, and I tend to, to agree with him. Russell Westbrook is a ball hog, and he's not leading this team to where it was. He, he is the best player on this team, but this is a team that I believe is sitting sixth in the Western Conference. Yeah. James Harden arguably has less of a team with him, and he, can, and he, and he has a better record, better record than the Cavs. Um, I love the way James Harden plays. He's selfless and putting up uh, great numbers compared, compared to the rest of the NBA. Before we end the show, I called it last semester when you and I were had the podcast <laughs> without Facebook Live. It was just straight on SoundCloud that Russell Westbrook was going to win the MVP. You said James Harden. I said Russell Westbrook. I think a lot of people said that, though. When KD left, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Listen, 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 listen. I'm going to stick to Russell Westbrook winning the MVP. This first series, though, if the playoffs ended or started right now, would be the three seed in the Houston Rockets of James Harden against oh, Russell Westbrook. That series is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Playoff basketball. Triple man. doubles every night, 100%. You're getting 40, 50 points from those two guys by themselves, mm-hmm. and it matters how their team around plays. And if OKC okay. wins that series, 100%, every player, every analyst out there should give him Definitely. the award. Um, want to thank everyone for watching on Facebook Live. Hit that share button. Next week, we've got the NBA and NHL playoffs. Starting up, we'll have brackets for both of them. Matt will be joining us again next week. We're discussing every single series and moving forward from there. And Dragon Ball Z, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z as well. Uh, Jackson Schroeder, I want to thank you as well for coming on. Last sponsor call, J&J Mobile Detailing. Go get your car cleaned up, especially you. Get your car cleaned up. Yeah, it's dirty. 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 <laughs> thank you guys so much, and everyone out there, be safe. What's up, guys? Uh, I gotta move my car. Alright, this shit today, fellas.